Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the sugared violets of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who also suspect that we're not getting our owl ma- mail. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? Fine, other than the fact I don't actually have owl mail in my life, and now I really want it now that you've used that word. Well, there might be a reason for that, Spencer. Aww. <laughs> Muggle-proof finally found. So... When you say that we're the violet pudding, are you saying that we're just sort of a mess on the ground, or... (laughs) Let's unpack this. I think any of the states of um, sort of English pudding-related things that we could be, I think we encompass those at various points in our lives. Yeah, I I interpret it as constantly dangling in the air waiting to fall, because that's mostly how I feel on a given daily basis. Okay. Um, because I see a whole, <laughs> I see a whole trajectory for me from the sort of like pristine morning Sarah that I am, <laughs> um, <laughs> to this sort of tipping point that you described, Spencer, um, to an absolute disaster. So you've got, a, you've got a, some, some of us have a range, some of us just stay on one point, but regardless, it's a very accurate way of describing the group. I think it, it encompasses multitudes. Not unreasonable. Um, so we nope. are on our second chapter of the second book of Harry Potter, and it is called what? Dobby's Warning. Dobby's Warning. So we have a couple of segments that we do here. Um, I give a very rapid fire recount, and then we have um, a number of different possibilities from BJ. Um, And I believe that today's might be food related, which is very exciting. Then we have newbies notes from Spencer, and uh, I award house points. And then uh, you all ask questions that I evade to various degrees. I've got a few this time around. <laughs> I thought you might, Spencer. <laughs> um, so are we ready to get into it? Yeah, what, what's your bet for how fast you think you can do this? So I, th- I think that I can do it in two minutes. I have had a couple of drinks, so we'll see what that means for the whole thing. Um, but I, th- I think that it is under two minutes. Okay, the clock is ready. At your pleasure. <clears throat> All right. So... As the Dursley's dinner party begins downstairs, we come back to the occupants of Harry's bed, a be-pillow-cased creature who is very excited to meet Harry. Spencer, you finally get to meet Dobby the house elf. Yay! Or not. Um, (laughs) Harry asks Dobby to sit down, which results in wailing gratitude for being treated like an equal and pretty much immediately cements Dobby's loyalty. Dobby immediately starts beating his head against the window, making yet more noise, and much of this chapter is actually devoted to Harry trying to nicely shut him up. House elves are attached to wizard families and have to punish themselves in various brutal ways uh, if they go against their wishes, which Dobby is apparently doing just by coming to see Harry. So Voldemort comes up in their conversation, prompting Dobby to tell Harry why he's really there. He has a warning. Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts. This is devastating to Harry. Dobby insists that Harry will be in mortal danger, terrible things will happen, but Dobby literally can't say what. Harry thinks that it must be vol, I mean, you know who. And Dobby gives an eyes wide evasive answer. 
Dobby emerges with another tactic to get Harry to stay away from Hogwarts, saying he clearly doesn't have any friends there if they haven't been uh, writing to him all summer. Dobby has been stopping Harry's mail. Turns out, shocking. Harry makes a grab for the letter. Dobby is desperate to keep him from Hogwarts. He escapes. They race down the stairs. And Harry finds Dobby levitating Petunia's impressive dessert in the kitchen. Harry won't give in, so Dobby drops the confectionery with a great hullabaloo and promptly disappears. The Dursleys are livid. The dinner guests are confused. There is a letter from the improper use of magic office. A hover charm was used, and Harry's officially warned against using more magic outside of school. Vernon is wickedly pleased to know that Harry has, hasn't been and isn't allowed to do magic. So he bars him in his bedroom. Days under lock and key with cold soup, knowing he could be expelled if he tries to escape. Harry's so hungry that night, he thinks he's hallucinating or dreaming or something when he sees Ron outside his second story window, and he is not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A little over a little over two minutes, but you did pretty well with okay. it. Okay. Well, BJ, what do you have to offer for us this week? So, unfortunately, even though we had a um, I wouldn't say Dursley heavy chapter, even though they are. Um, there isn't much in the way of entertaining words in general, but um, I did get curious about Violet Pudding because there's some sort of weird obsession of um, our brethren from across the pond with things that they term puddings. And so I figured I would take the time and see if there's such thing as a violet pudding. Unfortunately, there isn't. There are pages and pages and pages of, I think you get to like the fifth or sixth O of Google, and it's still like Harry Potter people are trying to <laughs> recapitulate some sort of Harry Potter recipe, and basically they whip cream and put um, sugared violets on it and fill it with all sorts of things. Um, and then I sort of just looked a little bit at puddings because it sort of always amuses me that um, the British have a thing called a pudding, um, that it is a very broad term. Um, I don't know where this love of just encapsulating all sorts of things under one word and just being <laughs> dicks about it comes from, but it's a very, very, very British thing. It's like um, what's encapsulated in the term tea. Yeah, tea or curry or mm -hmm. biscuit or, I mean, you know, they're just whole sorts of things that, um, I mean, I'm... I think it doesn't have as much of the oppressive overlords as, as the whole curry issue, but... <laughs> I was going to blame Empire for all of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's per perfectly reasonable. Um... But basically, puddings are ba are kind of anything that has a unpleasant Christmas cake kind of texture. Um, oh, and I say unpleasant okay. because I'm projecting, but um, it can be uh, blood pudding, which is like sausage with coagulated blood, basically. Um, I think haggis is a kind of pudding, but I'm not 100% on that. And then there are sweet puddings, like um, you might have for a holiday dessert. Um, the Christmas pudding thing on uh, Wikipedia, amusingly, is sugar, treacle, suet, and spices. And I'm very disappointed that they didn't say syrup. And then it could be the four S's. Um, <laughs> but treacle is basically um, 
Oh, it's, uh, it's like malted it, sugar. It's like malted sugar and then like breadcrumbs in it usually, isn't yeah, it? it? Yeah. It's essentially molasses. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And uh, like, the term word. pudding, kind of to your point, BJ, I think the term pudding can be used and maybe just in certain circles in, in Britain, I'm not sure, uh, but as a kind of blanket term for a kind of dessert that doesn't otherwise have some sort of designation. Except... There are loads of designations in English. Well. But yes. But also, but like Yorkshire pudding is a pudding, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like it's not like, okay, we're having pudding for, to, anyway, mm-hmm. it's, the British have a very weird relationship that is mostly empirical about their relationship to food. Um, I don't like it. Noted. <laughs> okay. Uh, Spencer, what do you have for us? Well, for Newbie's Notes, I feel like this chapter answered a lot of questions I had from both the first chapter and even in the last book, where you guys have been teasing me with the concept of house elves and Dobby for a while now. And now I've finally got to meet them, and I don't want to meet them anymore. <laughs> this is... He was this well is a dis- it's fine. <laughs> Use whatever word you want here. This is really uncomfortable throughout this chapter for me. I've, you guys have been... Temp- hinting for a while that there are some seriously disturbing undercurrents in the wizarding world, and apparently the wholesale enslavement of an, of an entire race of sentient beings is just a normal thing for them. Because the plight of house elves is serfdom at best, and what honestly makes me even more uncomfortable about this chapter at times is I think J.K. Rowling wants me to find some of how, how Dobby acts funny, and I don't of where he inflicts a heck of a lot of self-harm on himself just in the course of having a regular conversation. He's incapable of completing a conversation without hurting himself throughout this. I find that tragic. I find that a serious indictment on the entire wizarding world that this sentient being, as a result of what is a task and role for in society, has been reduced to this state. But it's being framed like it's slapstick. So how, how, how did you guys feel about that, and how do you think the author wants us to respond to it? Because I'm curious. Is it meant to be funny? Is it meant to be tragic, or left I mean, open enough that we can perceive it however we want? An interesting sect of Roman Catholic and believes in self-flagellation. And he could be a flagellant, yes, but this isn't the Middle Ages and the bubonic plague isn't raging. Well, I mean, I think... <sighs> I think that you are you are absolutely right, Spencer. I do think that uh, there there is a sort of element of sort of purported comedy about how how this is described in the book itself. But I do think that it is telling in this chapter that at no point does does Harry find this funny. Right. And that's one of the things I seize upon there too is that he's disturbed by this. Mm-hmm. A because he just wants to stop it because it's violating the one rule the Dursleys gave him. Right. No. Part of it is just sheer blind panic. Like we can't. Yeah. We can't, we can't get away say from that the Harry fact. actually cares about anybody else. No. Um, although he does seem concerned about the fact that there is a, a something in his room just beating himself about the head. <laughs> yeah, he's at least shocked by it. I'll yes. say that much so far. Yes. And I'll, I'll, we'll raise some of these questions as we get to the end of this about how the various plight of subhumans works in this, on, uh, this wizarding world, but... There's a lot of concern in this chapter for me about non-human rights. Because that's already been raised about things like goblin revolts, everything else. Now that I've met house elves, I gotta wonder whether Dobby's plight is the norm, or whether he's some extreme exception that needs to call social services. I don't know. I'll find out. But it just raises more questions about how they work, too. 
of where, from what we see, Dobby's pretty damn magically powerful mm -hmm. and can just command it at will. He also is willing to harm himself at the idea of defying his family's will, but very casually just ignores what Harry actually wants. He's working directly opposite from what Harry wants throughout this chapter. Despite so the fact that like, he clearly really likes and admires Harry. He clearly seems to like and admire Harry. He says at least he's doing all yes. of this for Harry's benefit. Yes. Is that true? I want to believe him. I, he seems like he's coming through honestly, but it seems like how they work is very much blind, absolute power of life and death loyalty to the family or house he's tied to, and then can wield his will in any other way he wants to as long as he's following those orders. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting thing to unpack as well. I'm glad to hear that he was interfering with the letters because that made very little sense to me that Harry wasn't getting any messages from his friends, particularly since apparently in this world email isn't much of a thing, um, or at least not in the wizarding world, I suppose, and so letters would be the only way that he and his friends could communicate. Otherwise, another thing that's going to be interesting to see where it goes is that, uh, good God, did the Dursleys get the most dangerous ammunition they ever could have over Harry Potter before this chapter is over, of when Mr. Dursley, Vernon, opens the letter first and quickly finds that Harry is not allowed to practice magic, that he's been bluffing all this time, and the descriptions they have of his evil grin as he proceeds to block and bar Harry in his room are a thing of horror, and I hope Harry gets out of this, gets, gets, gets away from uh, the regular muggle world pretty quickly, otherwise the Dursleys are going to have a field day with him. So, the other side of it is like, yes, he's not allowed to practice magic, and they know it, but it's also kind of like Harry has a gun safe that he's not allowed to open because, you know, you shouldn't do that. It doesn't mean that they're safe. It just means that, like, he shouldn't do it. Well, they, they know from the letter that it's not only that he shouldn't do it and will get a slap on the wrist. They know that it will take away from him the, thing, the single thing he wants and likes most in this world. And them being evil, cruel people, they instinctually know what that is and are now able to dangle it over him at any time they want. But also, weirdly, they say... Oh, and we're never, like, letting you go to Hogwarts now that we know about this. Not, like, if you do it again. Hmm. Well, because it's a, it's a sort of, it's a, it's a sort of catch-22 for Harry, right? Right. Like, they, they are, they now, no matter what he does, in response to them barring him in his room, have all of the power on whether he can return to Hogwarts or not. Um, yep. Now, I think, you know, there are certainly arguments being made that, like, if Harry just sort of bides his time and sits in his room, like, somebody at Hogwarts will notice that he does not show up, uh, which is yeah. a conversation we have for other reasons later in this book. Um, mm. But uh, that's not how a 12-year-old who yeah, yeah. desperately oh, no, needs no. to get out of this house thinks. Mm -hmm. Um, so there is actually one other thing that I wanted to comment on that isn't newbie's notes nor questioning Sarah, and it isn't even wordplay. Um, Lay it on us, BJ. There, so there's a reference that they have to a Japanese golfer joke. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is only one golfing joke in Japan, like a Japanese golfing joke that I know, and <laughs> it's blue enough that it would probably fit well in Mangum Talks TV about succession, <laughs> but it might even be a little blue for that. Well, I feel no. like Vernon is a sort of succession wannabe. Yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, it, it's super blue, and I think it's really funny because, like, if 
I don't know of any others, and and I feel like I know a reasonable number of jokes. I I should hope that no parent reading this to their child gets asked what this joke is and well, then actually telling it. So I have a question. Is this a, a, a golfing joke that is told by people in Japan? Uh, no. Okay, this is about of, Japanese golfers. Yeah, about somebody, a businessman going golfing okay, yeah, in Japan. Yeah, I'm sure that's um, what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay, I just didn't know like what the context for the joke you were referencing yeah. was. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the other... I have a question for our newbie. Sure. Um, so when you read about the decree for reasonable restriction of underage sorcery, 1875, paragraph C, mm-hmm. did you kind of want to see the rules and regulations of magic use in... Oh, oh hell yeah. I'm, I'm going to be quizzing Sarah about this here in a second. Oh my god, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want citations, Sarah, and I want them now. Okay, I will make them up. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, th- there's a lot of questions I have about how these particular restrictions work. Um, cause, well, we'll get into it when we're, re- when we're ready for questions. Save it for a second because I have house points to award. Yeah, and I'm curious how you're going to award them in this chapter. Well, I, I actually have very clear winners and losers of this chapter. Interesting. Um, Who you got? So, well, it's a little weird because we're not actually in the the context of Hogwarts where house points matter if they don't make a whole lot of sense in how they are awarded or taken away. Um, and Vernon wins the cup this year. Right, every time. But I do have, so, so the way that I'm doing it, and I think this is consistent with how I'm doing it usually, but particularly in these chapters kind of outside of the confines of Hogwarts, is who does the best and worst at what they were trying to do in a given chapter, right? What is their objective Mm -hmm. and how well did they achieve it? And if you take that metric, Dobby clearly won this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Without dispute. Right? And and so, yes, he did. Like, there was a lot of violence against him. All of it self-inflicted. Um... (laughs) A lot of kind of existential stuff around what he was doing and why he was there and and what was going on around it. But his his objective in this chapter was to get to Harry and to keep him from going back to Hogwarts. And at the end of this chapter, what we know is that Harry has been barred in his room. Yeah, I mean, Dobby's been winning for months now without us even realizing. Yes, it. I mean, he, he's been psycho. He has been essentially gaslighting Harry now for the, mm-hmm. the entire course of the summer. Successfully! Harry was starting to doubt his friends and doubt whether he had a life at Hogwarts. He was succeeding at everything he set out to do. And It's just not what we want or Harry well, wants. Well, sure. But and in addition to that, he not only achieved the objectives that he set out for, but he also met Harry, who he already was like predisposed to to like for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons, but then found out that Harry is like a decent human being, which blew his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a good day for Dobby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, who's your biggest loser? You get options here. Well, I mean, Harry's locked in a room. <laughs> this is true, this is true. Also, a dinner party was ruined. A dinner, yes, a dinner party was ruined. And so I think, you know, I think if you were to pull the participants in this chapter, you have a variety of different a- options that could could come from it. I think we are meant to believe that Vernon lost his deal. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, Petunia's sugared violet dessert was ruined. 
I think Dudley came out probably neutral. He did not have a whole lot of stake in any of this to begin <laughs> with. He would have preferred to have been playing computer games for the course of this evening anyway. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do think that the idea of Harry dealing with Dobby for the beginning of this chapter and trying to manage him and then getting almost expelled from Hogwarts and then getting mm-hmm. barred in his room with mm-hmm. his parental figures knowing that he can't do magic anymore um, and essentially getting put on a starvation diet I'm gonna I'm gonna name Harry the loser of this chapter so 10 points Slytherin minus 10 points Gryffindor yeah I think so um, like, well, do we put Dobby in Slytherin? Well, I guess he oh. is he is associated with the Malfoys, we assume, at this point. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Do, do we know that? Wait to the next chapter. There's, well, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's actually one of the questions I was going to ask. But Well, if, let's move on, on into this, then. What are, what are the okay. questions? Uh, BJ, you want to start? Um, yeah, so I just have one, um, and then (laughs) Spencer can take over. Um, how bad is the magic detection system in the Wizarding World? It's real bad. It's real bad. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, obviously, like... Dobby performs some magic in this muggle household and Harry gets blamed for it because he's the only known wizard in this household, right? And the flip side of that is if you are living in a place like we will get to um, next chapter, I think, like Ron's house where you are just surrounded by wizards, there's no mechanism to discern who is doing magic in a given location. I guess I want to believe that this is more like capability versus... Uh, known capability okay, and they're just being a dick to Harry because like presumably at this point you've had centuries to develop or maybe longer to develop a refinement to magic detection in the muggle world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you let people know you know exactly what spell when and who they get all you know 1984 on you and and they might disband the ministry of magic and then the whole wizarding world economy collapses because they employ everybody but the uh, quidditch team Mm -hmm. so you basically have to go okay well we're gonna have it like speeding cameras where you know we just we know somebody was speeding Mm -hmm. we don't know who it was we just sort of know the car that was involved and that's associated with your household and so you shouldn't do that well i also think i think that's a really good point bj um but i think that thrown into the mix of that and we have talked about this on previous episodes is that like the main function of the ministry of magic is to make sure that muggles don't learn about wizards so the fact that Harry is living in an entirely muggle family, even though obviously they know that he's a wizard, but he's living in an entirely muggle family and like presumably, as far as we know, an entirely muggle community, like somehow that makes it more Sure, but to not right? know that like a 
spell-casting non-human is wandering around, I feel like, you know, that's kind of like a new tracking thing that we'd have. Like, we don't, we're not going to say that, but... Yeah. It's like you're... I would assume that the Ministry of Magic has a, like, magical being tracking system that, you know, maybe they have a, a, a radio tracker tag because you know it seems like something that they would do to house elves um <laughs> did that bother you spencer no just i'm agreeing okay um and so it's just like well we know dobby was there so we're just we gonna be options. dicks about it yeah i don't know i think sorry spencer to cut you off but just very briefly um i think that we will get a lot of evidence moving forward that um that there are very clear human-centric metrics by which Mm -hmm. the ministry of magic cares about how and when magic is practiced uh so so they're very um well not aryan but uh anthropocentric let's say one of the things this whole citation thing tells me is that they're also not a very efficient or well-run institution either because their way of informing a wizard that they presumably know is living in a muggle house that he's violated magical rules is for an owl to fly in through the window and drop a card in the middle of a dinner party this tells me this is a very automatic system that is not well tailored for dealing with someone in Harry's position, which is interesting because we know for a fact he's not the only even member of the main cast that's living with a muggle family that doesn't know about magic. I mean, Hermione's the same way, right? Mm-hmm. So if this is the system they have in place, it seems self-defeating to a certain degree because most people are going to have questions if an owl flies into the middle of the window and drops a card with a very strange letter in it that a muggle is probably the first one that grabs, opens, and reads. Yeah, but it's a British system, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this book is built around the idea that muggles just kind of go, oh, well, that's weird. Eh, you know, I'll call a tabloid or something. I won't actually assume anything myself about what this might imply. And also, this is just how government works here. Yes. Yeah. It is the process of our government. I, I get that. I get that. Uh... So I'm, I'm going to ask a few questions about Dobby and house elves. Please do. Just tell me whether I'm going. it's important that I find them out later or whether it's okay for me to know them now. Okay. Uh, is Dobby representative of how the rest of house elves are treated or is he an extreme example? Uh, he is representative. Oh, he is representative of how house elves are treated. Um, there are there are variations in in how that goes, as you might understand. But the sort of like general view of wizards towards house elves may be more or less violent, but in terms of kind of their personhood, is pretty consistent. So more oompa loompa and less lollipop guilt. Indeed, indeed. Um, and so that remains that remains relatively consistent. Um, now, how much people think about that or act on it or whatever is is very different. Um, and we do get a lot a lot more around house elves later. Okay, is house elf a race unto itself or a sub race or is that just purely a title? Like, are, are house elves a type of elf or is it just he is an elf who works in a house? 
Um, oh, that's an interesting question because we don't see any other types of elves. Mm-hmm. So, so even even calls himself a house elf. Yeah, than, I'm an I'm an elf. Yeah, we don't see any elves anywhere else. Um, the only thing that we see kind of in this group, group I guess, are house are house elves. Um, I suppose there might be elves somewhere else that don't have this sort of title of servitude around them, but we never see them. So in specifically referencing house elves, they are themselves a sort of like class of being. I mean, the Calanthians have mostly wiped them out, so it's not an issue. (laughs) I understand that as of two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Cutting down some of the questions that have already been addressed or don't need to go back on, here's a just kind of general one, but how do owls work? I mean, this owl gets to Harry's house in really lickety-split after a violation occurs. Do these things magically apparate or transport or... Owls are surprised. Birds are surprisingly fast. Well, but even if that was the case, does that suggest that there is a representative on his block or in his immediate neighborhood that didn't just send it out? Or... I mean, it, it, it suggested there's a kind of general ward that's in place that triggers a little warning alarm in the ministry that leads them to automatically send this thing kind of thing out. But it seems like it got there really damn fast, like within seconds of the event occurring. I think that's an interesting question that I had not considered. Um, I would imagine, now that you bring it up, that there is some sort of mechanism in the Ministry of Magic that if you are sending out some sort of official warning that require that is that is time dependent. Um mm-hmm. that there is some sort of like aberration and I'm interested that you know that term, Spencer. Um but that there is some sort of aberration <laughs> that happens that they kind of place on the owls or some sort of transporting spell, let's say, that they that they place on the owls to get them there quicker. Um because so, it is yeah, it's fast. Is, so is the other side of it stored? is tapperate. Yeah, it is. Okay, just, but so, wasn't, wasn't sure if I used that wrong or if that was a. Is that a word that's particular to this series later on? It yes. is, yes. And I okay. did not know if it was a word outside of this series or not. It is. Okay. Okay. Um, so the top speed of a barn owl is fifty miles an hour. Okay. Or that's the fastest recorded speed, or 80 kilometers per hour, as mm-hmm. may be more appropriate. But so if there is an outpost that is reasonably close, which I feel like everything in England is, like it's not unreasonable that like you could have half an hour later, messenger. you could have gotten the message there itself, and then somebody could have attached it to this owl and sent it out. Yeah. Eh. It, it's t- the letter is you know tailored to the situation even. Yeah, I, is, I would assume that the letter is automatically generated as opposed to the owl. Well, no. I, <laughs> hmm. It'd be very funny thing if they had across. essentially disposable owl system. <laughs> the owl fills its job; it's gone, it ceases to exist. I mean, it would be on brand. <laughs> but yeah. also, really sad. Yes, it would. Oh man, let's not let's not dive too deeply into this. We're finding out. Spencer, things, what have maybe. you done? I don't know. I'm fiddling around with the series. I don't know yet. So something that I just discovered and kind of amuses me: um, the uh, Latin name of Barnowl is Tito Alba, and I kind of wonder if 
um, the Albus from Albus Dumbledore has to do anything with that. Maybe. Yeah. Otherwise, the overarching question is, who does Dobby work for? Um, Which I'm assuming is going to be an important plot point later, so... I'll leave that one hanging until yes. I can find out more information. Indeed. Uh, yeah, there's much speculation that moves forward from this, um, and then reveal that happens around it. <laughs> Who is your house elf, and what does he do? <laughs> uh, because yeah, it strikes me as funny that he'd be able to be here if his master didn't want it. Because as we saw, the even act of just thinking about defying his master immediately causes him to go into a self-harm routine. Mm-hmm. He's seemingly okay with being here and making Harry do this. So either he's allowed to operate pretty freely in a neutral gray area, or this is an authorized mission. And that has a lot of things to unpack and ponder. Yeah, it does. And it, it re- that remains unclear for a while, as, as do the rules around kind of how could this possibly have happened. This is a series that is based around pretty well-executed rules, so I'll be very curious to see how they play out later on. All right. Uh, Any other questions we want to address before we uh, house elf out of here tonight? Um, Just an on-brand segment for me, which is not on-brand for this podcast, but um, I told my mom about some of the issues that we've been pestering you with, Sarah, um, (laughs) and some of the things that we've come up with being weird in in Harry Potter and um, now when she reads sci-fi and fantasy she has that similar perspective and it's ruined a lot of books for her and (laughs) she's like thanks for that yeah uh, the the questions that you ask around Harry Potter are like endemic to all kinds of things and I'm a little annoyed that they only come up here Mm We can definitely bring them up elsewhere um, and and do that. Um, And then the other thing that I have to say thank you for for a Christmas present that you got me, though I'm very amused about a certain aspect of it, which is um, I got a um, child's extra large Slytherin t-shirt. Which aspect are you amused about, BJ? Yes. We got to end on that note. All right. We will see you next time for our next chapter called The Burrow, uh, which is very exciting. And um, we will learn totally some more. Totally not a Tolkien ripoff. Mm. Whatever. <laughs> Till next time, y'all. Bye, y'all.